Welcome to episode 2.2 uh, It's a continuation from the last episode And again, we're featuring a good friend of ours longtime partner, Rach Rollins Hey, what's going on, guys? And once again, you're tuning to CGM Lounge So this episode, we're going to dive a little bit deeper Into bookkeeping And then we'll wrap it up We're just talking about other formation questions Nonprofits uh, the, you know, Doing 990s no C corps, things of that nature. So, thanks for checking back in to CGM Lounge, and we're gonna kick it off in five, four, three. So, race. Last time we talked about LLCs, the beginning forms of that business, then how there's what tax implications there are with that for sole members, partnerships, and then we dove into a little bit of the new stuff that came out with the tax law this year, you know, the pass-through exemption, mm-hmm. all those things. So today, you know, going into the new year, we really want, you know how we are, we really want to teach good behavior. Yep. So going into this year, what are some apps or things that people can download? It's January still, you know, let's get our costs and expenses in on a weekly basis. Let's really do the work now so we don't have to scramble 2020 January to get all this stuff done. So, what are some good apps that you recommend for business owners just to keep their books in order and moving forward? Oh yeah, 100%. I think now since we are in tax season, you know, it's just really important to understand uh, the tax code is really just a series of incentives to drive certain behaviors. So it's really incumbent upon entrepreneurs to know at a surface level what the tax law says and then just to prepare and position yourself uh, to, to take advantage of it. So one of the things I, I like uh, right now is Receipt Bank. Receipt Bank is an app that allows you to essentially uh, just take a picture of all your receipts. It'll capture using uh, this OCR, which is basically a technology that allows um, you to grab the name, amount, date after the receipt, and it automatically categorizes that stuff for you and connects it into QuickBooks. So it just really facilitates a lot of your bookkeeping mm. and helps you um, just run a better process. There are also a host of apps that you can download to track your mileage. This year, um, one of the things with the president is that he won the state of Michigan, right? And one of his big rewards to that state was this new exemption that anybody who buys a car or an SUV over 6,000 6, pounds, right, gets to write that car off if it's used for business expenses. Mm. So it's a huge deduction. It's really just, again, to incentivize and, and bump up car sales. So if you're like using a business and you have a new car, you can, and it's over 6,000 pounds, um, you can actually write off most of that you know, for your right in one calendar year, which is like a huge deduction. Mm. Um, so if you don't want to write off that whole car, you can use your receipts. So, I mean, you can track mileage. So there's a ton of apps that you can use to track mileage and you get almost 55 cents per mile, uh, which, you know, you travel 10,000 miles, that's $5,500. Yes. And it comes out to be a huge, a huge benefit. Absolutely. Uh, another one, another app that you can use is uh, called Stitcher. Stitcher is like if you have inventory and things of that nature, um, just helps you sort of manage everything. Uh, inventory is another big deduction that you can allow. 
which up to $2,500 per line item mm. um, in the tax code. So it's just really easier on entrepreneurs who are selling things online, product-based companies. You don't have to manage your inventory or track your inventory in the ways that you had to previously. In the past. You can just write it off now with this new tax code and a lot a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of accountants specifically aren't talking about that deduction and that's why we're doing these podcasts because a uh, reason why we've always loved working with you because not only are you a practitioner but you're a student mm-hmm. at the same time and you know my, my old boss i'll never forget it it was 2008 2009 he had the one of the famous quotes i might even put it on my wall one day you can have 20 years of experience or you can have one year of experience 20 times mm. like you said a lot of accountants and a lot of people in our profession in terms of like business consultation they stick to knowledge that they learned 20 years ago and they're still preaching that same knowledge when stuff is changing daily yeah you know so if you're not up to if you're not up to par the person you're talking to isn't talking about 2019 codes and 2019 regulations then find somebody else because again like you said some of these things are huge 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 changes Mm -hmm. that just came out a couple of weeks ago so you could be losing out on a lot of money on your savings on the tax liability if your tax account is doing stuff from 2015 100% I think especially with taxes because you get these cosmic shifts in the tax code like once every 30 years right and that that 30th year was 2017 right I mean it's one of the biggest changes so I even tell my clients like listen the smartest thing you can do wisdom is found in the multitude of counselors like I'll do your taxes and I believe I'm the best yeah but go check it around and pay the extra $200 for a review it's because these small things Things can just amount to thousands of dollars in savings mm-hmm. and as a business person like you just owe it to yourself just to just to get a second third fourth opinion Absolutely. because you'll learn more and hey look if, if you find one thing that's to be different like it, it can just save you a lot of money absolutely. so trust but verify absolutely so we, you mentioned retailers and one thing that um they've been having a really hard time and we always get this question when it comes to retailers like in uh the when they sell in other states, like this nexus mm-hmm. situation, right? So how, I know that the federal government is trying to figure out, okay, if, you, if you're based in PA and you're selling, and they call, I guess they call it the Amazon tax law, you're selling product in PA, but you also have clients in Cali and Washington and Florida and New York, they're trying to figure out, maybe, and they have implemented it to a certain extent, all right, allocating each state's tax Really, each state sales tax to that product. So, have you have any of your clients experienced that, and and how hard has it been for them to shift over to that? Well, that's a good question. I think a lot of like e-commerce uh, platforms are now solving that problem native right on the platform. Yeah, because the accounting is all there. Right, the shipping and things of that nature, logistically, is another beast. But in terms of like measuring sales, who's who, yeah. where, where you're buying it from, billing addresses, like Shopify, even QuickBooks Payments and all those companies, they do that real well. Yeah. So I would, I would say, um, you know, I have a couple clients that, that do e-commerce sales, but PayPal even now will give you the breakdown mm-hmm. right on your 1099K, nice. all that. So I don't think that that is a big problem now right. just because a lot of the a lot of the e-commerce the platforms, third-party the platforms third-party are already platforms getting are in, in and are building that that translation in already. Yeah. So yeah. best thing to do guys is again uh study which third-party platform you want to get on like for us we're really fond of Square, 
Shopify could be pretty good too, but make sure that third party platform does have that translation in there for you so that you can easily at the end of the quarter just print out a report, end of the year, print out a report, and then it's already done. Like you said, that's the beauty of entrepreneurship right now. Yeah. You don't really have to do anything native anymore. You got these third party apps that live by these security codes, that live by these tax codes for them to stay open. Like yeah. Squarespace can't stay open if they're not adhering to internet privacy protection and all that stuff. So, and, and here's one more nugget. I think a lot of people don't know native and QuickBooks Online is when you put it in the customer's information, right? Mm-hmm. If I go in and put in, okay, Dom, CGM, right here, office, Center City, Philadelphia, PA, 19102. Mm-hmm. The moment I put in 19102 and it automatically pulls the tax information for that jurisdiction, mm. knowing you're in Pennsylvania, knowing that it's a, a, a 6% sales tax or whatever, and it just does that based on the data entry. Yeah. But it's incumbent upon you actually putting in that customer information. Yeah, being diligent. To being diligent. So I use a, uh, a technology called Zapier. So what Zapier does is I can hook it up to your uh, Shopify. Mm-hmm. And basically, once you make a sale, Zapier just will automatically take that sales information, create a sales receipt in QuickBooks, and automatically generate that sales tax Mm. uh, line item for you. So again, I mean, technology is so advanced right now, like the automation, those third-party apps that are really just trying to solve one particular problem is like a huge benefit for entrepreneurs like in the sales space. Beautiful. So we, we really done a lot of due diligence for you guys on the on these last two episodes about the tax code so what i would say is definitely just google 2019 tax reform or new tax law you'll see a lot of that federal mandate you know motley um fool had a great uh two or three page article about it um forbes has a report on it that came out last week or a week and a half ago so definitely do your due diligence. Go look at the other stuff that's on there. There's a bunch of stuff about real estate, properties, um, kit, like even the withholdings for your, your children. Uh, some things did change and, and became you know less of a deduction. So if you've been banking on some of those things, you might want to go and read that for yourself. And like Ray said, you know, quiz your tax person. Like, hey, did they see this? Yeah. Let them let them know. Yeah. Um, so the next segue, the next thing we want to talk about, we spent a lot of time on LLCs last time, which is great. Most people are getting limited liability companies, but there are some other ways that you can form your business in your state, one being a nonprofit. So from your point of view as, a, as, a, as an accountant, bookkeeping, and then also on the tax side, just kind of break it down for people. Like, What are the advantages or why would somebody form a nonprofit corporation? It's a good question. If you have a business where you you want to uh, benefit the public or help society out um, and you know you want to build a business model um, that is a little bit more altruistic in nature I mean a nonprofit is definitely for you um, you fill out a form 1023 um, I know you guys do it here at CGM mm. and you can get relatively quickly and I think relatively easily uh, nonprofit status, 501c3 status um, from the federal government, which basically just allows you to take money from the public and then anybody who uh, you take over $250 for in the calendar year or in your fiscal year, you have to give them an award letter just saying, hey, Jane Doe, thank you for your contribution. It is tax deductible. All right, so I think um, you know nonprofits are great. One of the biggest misconceptions with nonprofits is that they cannot actually make a profit. 
which is totally and utterly false. You don't have to exhaust all your funds. You don't have to net out zero. It's you know one of the smartest things that the best nonprofits are multi-million dollar companies. companies. The only difference is that a nonprofit uh, cannot distribute the profits to the owners. Mm -hmm. So Milton Friedman, who's like a 21st century economist, said that the purpose of a business is to increase the value of its shareholders. So Bill Gates can arbitrarily just take out profits from the coffers at the end of the quarter or at the end of the year. Nonprofits have to leave that money inside of the company. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the only thing. So the word nonprofit is a big misnomer. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the smartest nonprofits are, are actually raking in money unreal. Yeah, Susan G. Coleman, the NFL is notorious for being a nonprofit corporation. Yeah. The Susan- Union League of Philadelphia, uh, you know, Boys and Girls Club of Philadelphia, Habitat for Humanity. I mean, these are all companies that have a surplus of millions of dollars. Yeah. So the great thing about nonprofits is they're public entities. So if you guys have any questions about, man, what are they doing, how are they doing it, you can go to guidestar.org. That's G-U-I-D-E-S-T-A-R period O-R-G. You can type in any nonprofit. So type in Susan G. Coleman. You can actually see their 990 from the year before and look at how much money these companies are generating and what they're doing. So, And on that note, what's a 990? So a 990 essentially is a tax return for nonprofit organizations. Um, and you're required to file one every single year. If you're small enough, you can file a 990EZ, which is um, a very simple for, uh, form to fill out. Um, and it's due five months after the close of your calendar year. So if your calendar year ends in December 31st or on December 31st, that 990 is due by May 15th. Um, so it's really important to file the 990. In the worst case scenario, the government will charge you $100 per day as if as is late, mm-hmm. or they will just revert your license, um, either which can be really hefty penalties. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen clients, you know, that didn't realize that they had to file a 990, even though they made, you know, nominal money, like yeah. $2,000 or $3,000. We've seen them get their uh, their tax exemption status, their 501c3 status revoked, and having to write a letter to try to get it back and salvage it. So guys, it's very important if you file, first of all, if you file as a corporation in your state, understand that your state may have annual fees for that said corporation or LLC. So understand your state law first when it comes to keeping that LLC or nonprofit compliant. If you're in New Jersey, it's $50. If you're in Delaware, it's 300 If you're in Maryland, it's 300 PA, we're fortunate enough on non-professional side, we don't have uh, annual fees uh, for those business types, but then, as Ray said, when you get a nonprofit, you know that nine ninety even if you didn't make that much money, you still gotta submit that because you've already given a guarantee to the i r s that you're gonna follow certain regulations and rules with that being one of them, so you know the i r s doesn't really play when it right. comes to their regulations one hundred percent, and there are other types of nonprofit organizations that one could file that's outside of a five oh one c three yeah a five oh one c three is for the your charitable organization, but you can have five oh one c sixes five oh one c sevens social clubs mm-hmm. where you're charging people memberships uh so you know it's it's a very um big and vast field. Um, that gives you a lot of flexibility uh, to do some great, great business and, and really build a, um, a community around it. Absolutely. 
Um, so with the nonprofit, as we said, there's there's the 990 part. Is there any other things you want to leave with people when, when talking about a nonprofit? And then we talked about, um, you know, the fact that it is a misnomer, so to speak. So what about the board or what about other regulations that they may want to look out for in terms of, like, hand, so, for example, can't get the distribution, but can I hire myself as, to be the director of services in my nonprofit? Yeah, so a nonprofit, just because of uh, the regulations and things of that nature, you just have to do everything sort of uh, with the highest degree of 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 integrity. Um, not that, you know, for-profit businesses, you would want to do anything with less integrity, but I think simply because that 990 is so public, mm-hmm. uh, what you pay yourself, your programs, um, all of your expenses uh, need to be broken down on this statement called the Statement of Functional Expenses, where the government wants to know how much are you spending on the direct programs, how much are you spending for general and management fees, how much are you spending for fundraising, mm-hmm. and just that level of uh, detail just requires that the nonprofit is really, really diligent when it comes to tracking and managing expenses. Um, you have to track um, everybody you pay. Um, you have to declare sort of, um, sort of like, you know, nepotism. Like if you hire your your brother or mm-hmm. if people on your board are related. Like so, it's just a lot of uh, uh, things that you need to do um, to to really stay strong. So one of the things that you have to do is have a really good board. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, you know, bring on people on your board and I always direct people to have sort of like, uh, you know, a director, director's insurance or directors and board insurance uh, for people because they have a fiduciary responsibility a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that you would want to do. Another thing people have to understand is that um, once you, in PA, if your nonprofit brings in over $750,000, you have to have those books audited by an independent accountant. Mm-hmm. Um, best practice is usually like once you get over five hundred, though, you should start bringing in like audit committees to, to have an accountant come in and say, yeah, these books are actually uh, legit. Legit. Awesome, man. Awesome. So, guys, once again, this this last segment really focused on nonprofits and the 990 and those regulations. So again, if you're looking thinking about doing a nonprofit, every state has different rules and regulations when it comes to that formation of that type of corporation. So look at those first and then at the federal level the IRS is going to hit you with their stipulations for the different 501c classes. So there's a multitude of them. The most popular and most well-known I would say is the 501c3, but it doesn't stop there. There's many. So Try to get a, a a decent level of understanding, and then, as race always says, wisdom is found in a multitude of personnel, so go find people that can also bolster your understanding of that as well. So going into this last segment of the of this particular podcast, we want to talk about corporation formation so the for-profit corporations and how what are they for what makes them different from llc's why would i a want to do one or why wouldn't i want to do one so let's just kick it off like you you gave the definition for the not-for-profit corporation so for-profit corporation what is it and why would i want to do it so a for-profit for-profit corporation is usually found in what we call a C-Corp. And a C-Corp used to be almost cost prohibitive because of the taxes. The United States, uh, prior to 
you know, the new president was one of the highest, um, you know, heavily taxed corporation policies in the in the world at almost 30 35 percent. plus percent yeah um now that just got dropped to 21 percent yeah which a lot of companies are now switching um to a a, a c-corp mm-hmm. now the thing about a c-corp uh is that you have this idea of double taxation so mm-hmm. it's not a pass-through entity so if i have abc corporation and i bring in a uh, hundred thousand dollars that corporation has to pay of that $100,000 to the government, Mm -hmm. to the federal government, and Mm -hmm. then obviously the state and local governments tap you for their share. Now, then what happens is when I take out that dividend as the owner of the company, when I take that money out, I then get taxed on a dividend distribution, Mm -hmm. which is known as double taxation. Mm -hmm. So that was a scenario where a lot of companies, unless you were a huge outfit raising millions of dollars or trying to go public, um, that was the only reason to do a C-Corp. But now at the 21%, um, you can actually sort of build some real great wealth um, with that vehicle. So that's one of the benefits. So uh, double taxation is one of the negatives, but some of the benefits are you can actually have retained earnings, Mm -hmm. which means that the business can actually use last year's profits um, to sort of grow next year's business. With an S-Corp or LLCs or what we call pass-through entities, Mm -hmm. all the money has to get distributed, theoretically. Now, if you want to leave that money in, the government's just like, cool, you can leave the money in, but we're still going to assess the tax, which a lot of times is just prohibitive for the business owners. They need to take that distribution just to pay the tax burden. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, um, a C-Corp, was it is good is that you know you can take those retained earnings and grow another thing is you can have uh, multiple earner owners with the s corp you can only have up to a hundred owners yeah um with the c corp you can have millions of owners um just like all the public companies do mm. um with the c corp the healthcare distributions even of the owners are tax deductible to the business mm. whereas a s corp a subchapter corporation or a llc the health insurance premiums or benefits that are paid to the owners, anybody who owns more than 2% of the company mm-hmm. are, are counted as, as revenue or mm-hmm. as income to them. So it's mm-hmm. not a tax deduction from the business mm-hmm. standpoint. Um, so those are some of the changes. Um, I see a lot of companies right now because of the 21% tax converting. Uh, uh, converting right to the C-Corp. Uh, you just got to be careful because if you convert to an S-Corp or convert to a C-Corp, you have to stay that way for five years yeah. before you convert back. Right. Um, so I don't think that that's a reason not to do it. It's just you got to be cognizant of it. Understand what, you, what, what kind of fire you're getting into. Yep. And we just had this, uh, funny, we just had a conversation today about with a young lady filing and she had a um, consultant with her and, and so we went through these three phases so they didn't want to do an LLC because of the pass through so then it was okay we want to do a corporation so why do C Corp versus S Corp etc so talking about the 100 owners up to 100 owners with the S Corp and then guys even with the S Corp understand that your owners have to be domestic they can't be from other countries right. so that's another prohibitive thing on the S Corp Whereas a C Corp, you know, they can be from um, other places around the globe. So when we look at a C Corp, and we you talked about a lot of advantages. Mm-hmm. Right now, if you're going in with all the knowledge you got, if you're going into a, if you're going into forming a business, why choose 
why choose C Corp or why choose LLC? What 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 terrain should I be looking at for me to make that decision? Because it's still, even though you gave all those advantages, there's still the question of okay, is it for me or is it not for me? It's a great question. I mean, it 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 really comes down to a series. I would say f- about five questions that you would need to ask yourself. Mm-hmm. The first one is like. Do are you gonna bootstrap this? Or are you gonna raise uh, money from like outside investors, mm-hmm. right? Because with a C corp, you can only have, or with the S corp rather, you can only have one class of stock, right? right? You can't like say this is like preferred stock, or you get like voting rights right. in this person. It's just one. So if you're trying to raise uh, investors, or you're trying to do some more complicated stuff. Um, you know where you're where you're sort of raising money uh, from people from all different states and things like that. You definitely want to go with a C corp, right? So that's like the biggest thing right there when it comes to um, you know raising money and things of that nature. Um, number two, it really just depends on I would say start with the end in mind, right? So if you don't want to, I would say if you answer yes, I want to raise money, I would say go C corp because you're going to have to become a C corp eventually anyway. Mm-hmm. Number two is like, do you are you sort of like what are you going to do with the profits mm-hmm. in the company? Is this just going to be like a smaller family business where you're just going to um you're you're just taking those distributions like are you trying to grow a really big business? Like what's the size and scale uh, that you're trying to operate in? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's that's really important. Um, if your business is just going to require you like capital intensive to make a lot of money in terms of uh, uh, assets and things of that nature, where you're constantly need those those returns in order to to, to fund next year's business, mm-hmm. probably a C corp is is better uh, simply because you you can just pay the twenty one percent tax and then just use those uh, retained earnings again. Um, if you have um, you know international based businesses a c corp is probably better in that situation so it's a lot of like questions that you can ask yourself yeah. but i would just really just to keep it simple just for the audience um are you raising money um what are you going to do with the profits are you talking about a lot of money a little bit of money mm-hmm. um and then like how what's what's the size and scope of the business in terms Absolutely. of um is it international or is it domestic perfect so guys look you know business the thing i love about business is ever changing so these decisions, you know, going from LLC to corporation is a lot easier than going corporation back to LLC. So take it, take heed to these questions and I'll, like we, like you said, I always tell people, prepare for where you want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you want to be this company five, ten years from now, then it starts with some action steps today um, in that particular field that you're that you're going to go into. So a lot of people come in, they make the LLCs. LLCs are fine. Um, they're great business models but like you said if the pass through thing is going to hurt you then okay here's some here's some plays that we have to counteract that and again it's state by state too so like New York New York quote unquote punishes LLCs by having this publication notification of publication for LLCs and so you have you might have to put out a thousand dollars just to let the public know that you have an LLC but they don't have that law on a corporation, mm-hmm. and a corporation filing is a little bit cheaper in New York than it is. So, an LLC in New York is two hundred, but a corporation is only one twenty-five, and mm. you don't have to do the notification of publication. Wow. So, on the front end, you're probably going to save about twelve hundred bucks. So, these things all come into factor and come into play. And like you said, the big prohibitor was the old corporate tax, but now 
you know, is now it's a non-issue. It's a non-issue. Yeah, and just when it comes to any of this, like a lot of people are coming to me right now to talk about 2018. Yeah, and you really should be meaning to talk about 2019, exactly, 2020, and like what we need to structure because you, it's, you're very limited if we're just going back and we're rushing to to file to reclassify you as an escort for January 1st, and we're you know looking at your step plan to see how much we can contribute, and this is very 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 retroactive where we should be like meeting regularly looking at the numbers seeing how much we need to tuck away in retirement plans seeing if we're in the right business structure for the business as it's growing today because it's better to sort of be proactive with a lot of this stuff than retroactive absolutely and that's the whole point of what we're doing this year part of our plan this year is to have these type of discussions on podcasts so you guys can get it and then make these decisions. So we started with we started January off with these topics for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, January is usually the time people look back at the past year and they get ready to file their personal taxes, get ready to you know do stuff for their business tax, and then you know you forget about it going into the rest of the year. But no, it's a pivot time. Yeah, yeah. Think we gotta we gotta do the stuff from last year, but now is the time to set up the the year coming make these changes get ready because you want to be proactive you want to be in a place where you're making sound decisions and pivotal points to your business and you know the beginning of the year is a great time for that so just to kind of get into the last segment of the show um of this particular episode i should say so we talked we really covered the basis i think really well just mm-hmm. on fundamental game planning and strategy so what are your, some of your favorite businesses out right now and, and, and their business models as you look at them and see like, okay, this is, this is the tactic they use to grow and how they really handled themselves well over the last couple of years. So it could be a big business that everybody knows or maybe one, a small business that you know here locally. Ah, that's a great, great question. Um, what, so some business models that, that I've, I've like come to love and come to like really respect yeah. and honor. So I really like uh, SaaS businesses. I really like um, sort of the idea of monthly recurring revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, really like businesses that um, are, are able to sort of get people into their model and then sort of can retain that customer for uh, a certain amount of time mm-hmm. uh, and continue to to grow. So I really like Bench.co. Yeah. Uh, it's a big competitor of mine. <laughs> but uh, Bench.co, I love their model. And I give them a lot of credit because they actually were a company that helped me sort of um, identify for financial GPS a whole new market uh, and shift into it. Um, I really like with what you guys are doing here at uh, uh, CGM. I really like the just the really focusing on um, you know business model formation, uh, helping people get set up with LLCs. It's a really great model. It's it's national. Um, it's a it's a high high value service. You're offering more services at a cheaper price, which I think is always a win for entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're so much better than the competition in terms of like the value add. Um, the service, the the knowledge transfer, um, you know, just the resources that you give, and it's for a cheaper price, and it's just it's no reason not to. Um, I also like um, new businesses right now. Uh, a lot of product based companies that are digital native, um, you know, that are that are really focusing on uh, Instagram to sort of sell, mm-hmm. and they don't have the brick and mortar stores like they're. I, I really love that because I think they're just lean and they're just modern for like a two thousand nineteen two thousand twenty business. Yeah, 
And that's and that's the key. The key word that we live by, you know, for a long time is lean. Yeah. It's four letters, it's very simple, but people take it for granted. Um coming in, you guys don't have even though we say think about what you want to be ten years from now, twenty years from now, five years from now, you don't have to incur those expenses today though. Yeah. You know, so we had a guy, we had a uh a mutual friend, I know you did some work and they just incurred too much uh too much cost mm-hmm. at a pivotal time in their business that actually hurt them on the growth side and yeah. they you know sometimes we can think we have to do certain things uh for the marketing for the for the consumer but you know to be honest the consumer's not even thinking on that level you know if they if they're buying from you they're there yeah right and so a lot of times we overstep trying to appease or trying to do something answer a question that hasn't been asked and like you said you know you incur brick and mortar costs and mm-hmm. then you incur uh w2 costs because you're bringing on employees maybe it wasn't the right time to bring those bring on a particular w2 employee and then have a brick and mortar and then have this insurance and then have all these things that go into that so understand where you are but also always keep a lean mind state it's the healthiest way to to be successful yeah. in life yeah. i think is to at the core, just spend less than you make. Yeah. And it's really simple. Um, and I value, I think we both value profitability and sustainability over growth. Oh, for sure. Right? And it's like, we'll get there. Like, you just got to be patient. Just do the right thing. Stick to our principles. Stick to our business model. Execute the plan. And almost, if you stay open, like you're, the business will grow. Right, it'll it'll get there. But if you're taking these, like, if you're trying to you're reading the headlines, you're hearing that company that raised X number of right. millions of dollars. When you take big swings and open up that place or get that office you can't afford, mm-hmm. like people don't know that, like we just got offices. Yeah, you know, we like we we just, just got, got independent offices. <laughs> we were, you know, working out of uh, co-working spaces, still in the co-working space now, but just got that office. Like we were like sitting in. We were a sharing. Cafe. We were sharing an office. In the yeah. coworkers, yeah. <laughs> splitting the cost, yeah, just to stay lean, like staying lean at all costs, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, like you said, this growth, growth is gonna be natural. You're gonna grow, like you said. The key is keep the doors open, right? Keep the doors open. Don't be leveraged. Don't take on excess uh, debt. A good way to close early is to not pay taxes. Yeah. Because those penalties come back hard and fast and often, mm-hmm. and the IRS is going to want every cent, your state is going to want every cent, and your municipality is going to want every cent. Every red cent. So, guys, we've seen that, too, happen where people shut down because they may have, like, oh, I ain't going to pay taxes my first couple of years. A lot of misnom- a mis- a misconception is people come in and say, oh, you don't have to pay taxes your first three years. Yes, false. <laughs> yeah. 100% false. Uh, LLCs don't got to pay taxes their first three years. And that- false. Especially with these new businesses. I mean, I think when you're, when you're like in the credit card game and like you get those 1099Ks, like all that money is being tracked online. If you're like, you've got like an e-commerce business yeah. or you're selling online, it's, you're... You're you're not you're not you don't have cash, right? So like it's incumbent upon you just to really um, claim all that income. Um, you can be very liberal with your ta- with your expenses, but the the income is already like known known. Like those are you, the government already has that information, so yeah. you gotta you gotta file a return. Yeah, 
And so, you know, for us, what we, our core mission here, and Ray shares our, the sentiment, and that's why I think we always had a really great relationship, is information give. Yeah. And so these podcasts, I mean, for you guys, we hope you enjoy it. I do want to end on a very controversial topic. So it's a red button question. I got to ask you because you're such a prudent guy. So you ready? And you, ready. Can, you can plead the fifth. All right. Come on, hit me. $70 billion. Mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos, was it worth it? Seventy the, billion that, dollars. The divorce he's about to go through right now, like was it? Was, uh, listen, was, man. They said <laughs> they. I was uh. So I listened to this. I listened to this um podcast. Right. I'm always fascinated with um. It always started with Thomas Stanley with the Millionaire Next Door. Yeah. And then it's another podcast, another book that le- recently came out by uh, Chris Hogan, who's from the Dave Ramsey camp. He has this book called uh, Everyday Millionaire. Yeah, yeah. Read this podcast or listen to this podcast called Millionaire Unveiled. And they just interview millionaires. Yeah. And they said, listen, man, one of the things uh, is same house, same wife, same like business, same focus, right? Yeah. It's like like getting married is, I think, one of the most important decisions in life. And getting divorced will literally will literally tear your wealth apart. Yeah. I think right now one of the other biggest changes um, in the tax code is that deductions or payments to alimony are no longer tax deductible. Ooh. And for the for the the person the recipient of alimony, they do not have to claim that as income. <laughs> so let's say you let's say you make a hundred dollars, yeah. right? Even if you gave your your significant other the fifty dollars, yeah. you still gotta pay tax on the hundred. So again, Dang. what is this saying? What is this saying? Taxes are a set of incentives that the government use to drive society to make certain decisions. Right. Obviously, divorce just wrecks homes it has impacts on kids it's not good for society right so what they're trying to do through this tax <laughs> work it out is yo work <laughs> it out so i mean jeff bezos obviously in his state like he has so much money and the lawyers that he has at his disposal are sure. going to turn the earth upside down to sure. find every single loophole possible sure i unfortunately i don't I don't, uh, I, I, you know, I'm saddened to hear that. Yeah. I mean, cause he's, he's such a, a, a great business person. Um, I just don't know how, you know, you can't be happy as a couple with $70 billion. $140 some <laughs> odd billion, you know, and it's, yeah. it's we are, I only do that because we always talk about Amazon as being like a prime example. No, no pun intended with the word prime. Yeah, I like that. But a, pr- a, <laughs> <laughs> a, prime, a prime. We're not getting paid by Amazon, yeah. by the way. Uh, sponsorships coming soon, though. If they need it, a prime example of how to build a build a vision mm-hmm. from ninety what eight ninety seven. He had this long term vision of being able to sell A to Z. Mm-hmm. Started off with books, but he knew this is what I want to get to. Logistically, they've always been really efficient, even with how they pay their distributions and pay their their corporate um, their C suite. They were the lowest paying output, you know, of big companies. Like they didn't they didn't spend unnecessary money on on frivolous things. So we always would reference Amazon and all of our stuff. Like, hey, think and Amazon. And their marriage was from the muscle, man. That from was, the muscle. From they the, were before. Yeah, she was literally with him shooting at the gym. They were. They worked together before yeah. he made Amazon. That's so. just like, wow. So it says a lot. I, I only brought that up because of the, like you said, the alimony, because of the taxes, because of the implication. 
But another reason is, I mean, we're talking about the richest couple in the world. Yeah. With this, she could potentially be, with the separation, she could potentially become the fifth wealthiest person in the world just wow. by leaving, right? Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the undertone of it, you know, we laugh, but it's, it's not, it, it isn't a joke, it is people's lives, but the undertone of it is, you can have all the money in the world. Yeah. That's not what this entrepreneurship's about. Not at all. Entrepreneurship isn't about having all the money in the world. It's about solving problems. It's about being innovative. But if you're not happy, and if you don't find things that make you happy, it's not worth it. Mm. You know, because you're going to invest a ton of time, a ton of your your energy. I mean, eight-hour days at work turn into 16-hour days as a owner of a business. Mm. So, and that turn, and time goes by fast. Hadassah is already five. Five years old. Yeah, be six in a couple months. We met before she was born. Yeah, yeah. And I can't remember years two through four and a half. Yeah. I've seen her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't, all that's just like one year to me. Yeah, yeah. And so if you're if you're in entrepreneurship simply to become super super rich and wealthy, you're gonna you're gonna spend a lot of time and you're gonna you're gonna watch the years go by really really fast, and then you're gonna look back, and if you still feel that void in your life, and you gotta go do certain things to fill that void, you were chasing the wrong thing. Chasing win, man. Chasing win. I think uh, David Pink. Um wrote this book called Drive. And one of the things he said about work in general and about, I would say, entrepreneurship at a high level is that it really, entrepreneurship, the great benefit of it really comes down to it gives you a certain degree of autonomy. It gives you a certain degree of purpose. And you can sort of master, um, you, can, you can just have the ability to master certain things. Mm-hmm. Like right now, like I've, I've, I would say that I'm, I'm, I'm really good at accounting, accounting, but one of the things that, you know, business is so, with so many facets to it, I'm really trying to master the art of like marketing and creativity mm-hmm. because I'm such a, like a left brain analytical person, like mastering the, the subtle art of like design and like storytelling and mm-hmm. video and entrepreneurship gives you a platform to do that. Right. It gives you the validation of the market. It gives you, um, you know, customers to run things off of. So it's so much more than money. And I think that, you know, once you lose the, the, the human aspect of it, like your family, your employees, the relationships that you build in with your, your customers, your employees, it just, it, you miss it. You yeah. miss it because, you know, life is so short. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. You had the, uh, a guy named uh, Jack Bogle just recently died he started vanguard right yeah. which is one of the most iconic like investment firms of all time and it's just like you know he started vanguard and then he died and vanguard's just gonna keep on going keep on trucking you know it's, a, it's such a big machine that's bigger than one person but it's just it's, it's unfathomable sometimes like how you can like be so much looking to this date this future and just like miss all the great opportunities in the day-to-day that entrepreneurship gives you yeah so guys what we try to do again is bring information, but we also want to let you know on the human side that you know we've taken our liking to entrepreneurship to be more than just revenue generation. And if you have that, if you can, if you can control that, um, you know you'll these hours and days that you spend, then they won't seem so bad. But you also won't go through this journey um, with that void. So 
race man it's always a pleasure always a pleasure pleasure is mine how can they find you man where, where can they go so we got a company uh, financialgps.co that's our website you can also reach out to me at race r-a-y-c-e at financialgps.co that's my email uh, my instagram race rollins or at race rollins um, you can reach me at any one of those channels perfect once again i'm dominique landry from common ground management this is race rollins from financial gps and this is episode 2.2 of cgm lounge and thank you so much you guys remember you can go to our website cgmphilly.com look at our services see our past work schedule a meeting come in for a business formation but more importantly you can go to our blog read the blogs they write weekly and then you can also access the podcast to go back into the database and then listen to other podcasts just for more information so we appreciate your time as always um until next time thanks again ciao ciao